Happy President's Day, US. Nothing oh. but respect it? <laughs> for my President's Day. Listen, Joe Joe Biden. He said, "Listen, listen, man. No more malarkey. I I I uh, will never have a trade deal with the UK." The quote uh, on the website is actually by Abraham Lincoln, and it says, "As I would not be a slave, so I would not be a master." This expresses my idea of democracy. Oh. No slaves, no masters. Yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln, buddy, Abe, a, baby. Uh, you you weren't the one who had a problem with being a slave. That was the that was the. <laughs> Point. <laughs> the only Lincoln I'm interested in is Lincoln Park hybrid theory. Shit. Nice. Is that is Lincoln Park an actual yes. park? Oh shit. Is this I like a Tudor Cinema Club situation? <laughs> or it might be. Oh yeah, that was the park where um remember that that old meme of like uh hide hide your kids hide your wife because they're raping everyone out here. I That's, do recall that meme. Uh, that was in that was in uh, Lincoln Park. Oh. I also didn't know that. It, wait, is Tudor Cinema Club and also Cinema Club? No, like um, Tudor Cinema Club. They're from Bangor over here, and there's a cinema in Bangor called the Tudor Cinema. And one of the oh. guys from the band couldn't say the word Tudor, okay. so he called it the Tudor Cinema, and that's how the band got their name. So it's named after oh a place, God. but it's but this is also very good. Not- I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia, and it says. Uh... The band considered the names Plair and Platinum Lotus Foundation before deciding on Linkin Park, a play on and homage to Santa Monica's Linkin Park, and they initially initially wanted to spell it Linkin Park, like L-I-N-C-O-L-N. Mm-hmm. However, they that changed it to Linkin to acquire the internet domain LinkinPark.com. Oh, okay. Um, speaking of all being online, actually, let's do a clap. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's all open time.is International Childhood Cancer Day. That seems very sad. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said um, the President Day, because I, I, I felt like we can get more goofs and chuckles out of that. Yeah, I don't really feel like I can make that many jokes about International <laughs> Childhood Cancer Day. It's like, yeah. if you were going to invent the saddest day. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, Summer, pick a number. Uh... 46. Hell yeah, everyone clap at 46. (laughs) (laughs) I think I clapped a little early, but it will be fine. It'll be fine. Okay, now I have to make up an intro for the podcast, and because I haven't actually still haven't edited the first episode, uh, because I fucking suck, uh, I can't remember how we introduce it. So, what the fuck is up, um, uh, Lutists? Uh, Welcome to Quoth Killer Chronicles, the chronicles in which we uh, murder and besmirch the good name of Quoth and Patrick Rothfuss and all that is good and pure in this world. None of that (laughs) is anything good or pure. I'm Sarah McClintock, uh, uh, she, they pronouns, and I will stop talking now. Uh, Daniel, who are you? Uh, Daniel McClurkin, I see him pronouns. Janosch? Uh, I'm Janosch, he, they pronouns, and this is my beautiful dark fantasy academia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
incorrect this is. Um, Lucy. Um, I'm Lucy. She, they pronouns. And um, I was once a talented musician, and then I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> and lastly, Summer. Uh, my name is Summer. She and they pronouns. And I don't have anything funny to say. Sorry. It's all, I had to write mine out in advance because I can podcast. never think of anything on the spot. <laughs> I did not, I came into this episode with no thoughts, uh, much like Vos seems to do throughout these chapters, um, but we're here <laughs> in the end. Um, I realised halfway through that I was kind of taking like a roll call, and I wish I could say that that was like thematic and intended because we are in like class these episodes. Um, oh, damn. But, you know, because I'm a brain genius, uh, I'm the smartest person in the world, um, just thought you guys should know that. Do you want to say something that you can like edit in before so it sounds like a natural thing? Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, I know, Lucy, I know you have many as a note. Oh my god, I have how many? I'm, I Okay, so this notebook, to be fair, is like size A5. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, Little four, boy. five, six, seven, eight pages of notes. Okay. Good. Good. Most of them, most of them are just um, see page this number because I just write in my copy of the book and. Oh right. (laughs) Oh Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! I have like one note and it's hey, you remember Harry Potter? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, see, I'm one. Like, I I gotta say, like, I think we can get into the Harry Potter discussion, like in in a little bit here, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think there's there's some interesting parts where it's like Harry Potter. The charming parts of Harry Potter are not here, um, but like the cool parts of other fantasy novels are here. So it kind of balances, I think. Um, like Harry Potter is a novel about going to boarding school and it being rad because you have infinite money and like cool powers and like you know a bunch of best friends who want to hang out with you and like some and, and all your all the people who don't like you are evil, right? Like that, like that's what Harry Potter is about. Um, but I'm sorry, like okay, did I'm really interested to hear what the rest of you have to say. I, I, this is this is the dentist section as well. It's the first like dentist stuff. Did anyone else just kind of like give up on trying to even take notes on like like that? That was me. I was like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't fucking have anything. Like, let me just read these sentences out loud. To you. Like, if I was teaching these, this, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a reading. I would just read the lines. Have my students go, oh yeah, that's pretty weird, and then we move <laughs> on. Right? Like, I, like I don't, I don't quite have much more to say about the heat of the honey of the dust of the road or shit like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Honestly, like all my notes are like me sort of writing down a thing that happened in the text, being like, mm, "It's pretty weird," and then moving on. Yeah, <laughs> Most, I think I didn't actually make that many notes about the dinner section because it 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 wasn't like it was bad. I think, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't quite as bad as some of the uh, stuff that happens with the female characters during the university mm-hmm. scenes, which yeah. are yeah. the bulk of my notes. <laughs> Don't worry, then I will come yeah. back and it will be bad. So. I'm gonna do yeah. my wee yeah. recap. Um, I don't think I bothered saying before my recap uh, last uh, episode, but I'm kind of assuming that if you're listening to this, you have you have either read the book or have no intention of ever reading the book. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of the way I write my summaries. Um, so. 
There's an anime time skip. Uh, Noikfoth is 15 years old. He's still doing Dickens on the streets of Tarbian. Um, he hears a story about Lanra from a man called Scarpy, and that reminds him that he's supposed to be advancing the plot. So he does some hijinks to get out of town, goes to uni. On his way to uni, he meets a girl called Denna, whatever. At uni, he does so well on his entrance exam that they're like, all right, Kvothe, we're going to pay you to study here. <laughs> um, it's great. After three entire days at uni, Kvothe has entered a pissing contest with a teacher, gotten corporal punishment for this, taken some drugs in order to go to the corporal punishment, tried to go to the library while still high, entered a pissing contest with a student, gotten banned from the library, all in all become the big name on campus. Everyone's talking about Kvothe. There's then some more uni stuff. He sort of has to pick his major, he gets into debt, he gets burnt out, makes some friends, makes some enemies, all sorts of stuff. We end up this week's chapters with his edition audition at the Aeolian, which is like the hottest cabaret in time. And everyone can, can, can I just add, yeah, and everyone claps. Can I just add one thing to the to the, to the summary there? Mm -hmm. I think it's very important for all listeners and for ourselves to remember. Quoth is 15 years old. <laughs> Most of the people in the university are not 15 years old. And so when this student's coming up and like, you know, uh, challenging a teacher to the you know, pissing contest, getting whipped out, it's like a fix showing up and like, like doing a Lord cousin, you know, who thinks he's smarter than ever. He's your cousin. He's just started reading Foucault. <laughs> like, that like I still make it a four foot six, yeah. like short kicking it up. <laughs> I don't think that's right, but that's, that's my headcanon. <laughs> That's, yeah, me too. That's very fair, and uh, to me, it's like the opposite because I close just never reads as fifteen to me. So it's yeah, I just see him as an adult, and yeah. then occasionally he'll drop in like, "Stop treating me like a fifteen-year-old," and it's like <laughs> no one does, and you're not like <laughs> he's like, are, but <laughs> he's fifteen, but he's like anime fifteen. Yeah, yeah, he's Jordan or Jordan fifteen. <laughs> he's. <laughs> Don't do Chorno Giovanna dirty like this. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do we want to get to first? Um, I th it would be good to talk about the Harry Potter stuff because they did mm. make a note about the Harry Potter stuff, which was like his first lesson where he um, is in, oh, what's his fucking name? Uh, Hemmer's Hemi. Master Yeah, Hemmer Hanneman. Is, Not is Snape. Class. Not Snape, but he does come <laughs> into that class and immediately does the fucking monologue from Philosopher's Stone like, Kvothe, do you want to bottle fame? Do you want to put a stopper on death? Well, you can't. <laughs> it's great. Original story. <laughs> Patrick Rothfuss, years, nothing, anything like it. Yeah, like, What's honestly, that? look, the Harry Potter has been, it's just, like, one of the school stories or whatever that exists. Like, last episode, I was, like, kind of jokingly saying Harry Potter just because, like, you know, it's it's the easy comparison for everyone. But... He didn't have to put in, like, literally a bastard teacher and then also, like, a spoiled rich kid, uh, noble kid foil. Okay, okay. <laughs> Consider, have considered this. Yu-Gi-Oh! GX also has the characters <laughs> of bastard teacher Cronos de Medici, everyone's favorite Italian <gasps> clown, and everyone's, you know, spoiled rich kid, mm -hmm. uh, Chaz Manjome. There's, you know, so basically, I think it could easily be plagiarizing of Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, GX, which, of these which is the did, best Yu-Gi-Oh! series. Which of these did Pat more likely consume? <laughs> <laughs> which of these were in the cultural consciousness when this book came out? 
you know, this would have been a better book if he'd been watching GX. Yeah. Um, there would have been more dealing. <laughs> there is some dealing. Uh, let's yeah, I, let's talk I, a bit about the pilots before he gets to university, I guess. Because like, the university stuff is like the main meat of this bit. <laughs> but there's like still like a... We, we kind of wrap up the Tarbean stuff. I... Yeah. um. Because we're probably gonna spend a lot of time shitting on the uni stuff yeah. um, in this episode, I want to say, just for a breath of fresh air, for something different, say something that I did really, really like about these chapters, mm-hmm. um, which is whenever he, like, he hears a story about Lonra, which is actually quite an interesting story to me, because it actually ties in to the rest of the plot. It's like the first of these, like, within story stories that's sort of, oh, relevant, and it's like, oh, time to advance the plot. Um, but after he hears that, he then, like, gets his money together, and he's like, I need to get clothes, how am I gonna get clothes? I need, and like, he does some just, like, really fun little sort of mini heists where he has nothing but his, but his wits and his sharp tongue, and like... (laughs) I do love this part, yeah. Like, I'm just uh, a sucker for, like, a character who has absolutely no no resources other than their charisma. Like, that is my favourite kind of character and like in these parts in the start of the city it's just really really fun sequences um mm. of him yeah. doing all this you know hijinks heists um and i think it it contrasts later on to when he's in the uni and mm. he's people are quote unquote trying to bully him and he bullies them back it's kind of um he's sort of doing the same thing but that time he's just being an asshole about it whereas in the city when he is does have nothing um it's really fun and i like it there's the stuff i like about the city chapters um i will say with the story of lanra i um i'm only about 40 percent sure what went on in that story i they, they keep talking about a war i'm really not sure who they were fighting but anyway uh <laughs> i do like some of the like running around the street stuff i will say there's like a line where um um <laughs> oh yeah he says at one point like oh, revenge is a childish fantasy or whatever. But that's, like, the chapter after we see him try and burn Pike to death. Yeah, he like... tries to burn a kid to <laughs> <Okay>. death! <laughs> so you know. <laughs> he does do that, huh? <laughs> yeah, dark. Um... We also uh, get, I mean, so we're, like, leaving Tarbine. Um, I also sort of wanted that we have some more some more interludes where um, Quoth reminds his, his, his listeners, uh, Bast and uh the chronicler um that like yeah this this totally sounds like a contrived story this sounds like <laughs> every story you've ever been told right like he literally has a section uh and i just I, this smart this part to me i just i legitimately found funny like i think like when pat's taking the piss out of himself it's really funny it's mm. on 303 yeah um and or on, on my version is 303 um and he says like uh you know, uh, so quote through a deep breath inside, you know, but the simplest reason, you know, why, you know, I, I didn't go looking for Scarpy um, is the least satisfying one, I suppose. The truth is this. I wasn't living in a story. Yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. I don't think I underst- <laughs> I'm understanding you, Reshi. Bast said, puzzled. Because think of all the stories you've heard, Bast. You have a young boy, the hero. His parents are killed. He sets out for vengeance. What happens next? 
Bast hesitated. His expression puzzled. Chronicler answered the question instead. He finds help. A clever talking squirrel. An old drunken swordsman. A mad hermit in the woods. That sort of thing. Both nodded. Exactly. He finds the mad hermit in the woods, proves himself worthy, and learns the names of all the things, just like Tabalin the Great. Then, with these powerful magics at his beck and call, uh, what does he do? Chronicler shrugged. He finds the villain and kills them. Of course. Cool. So, like, pause there. So, like, this is what he's saying to his apprentice, right? Is like, ah, but you know, I didn't go looking for Scarpy because, like, this isn't a story. But then he describes exactly what he does next, right? He goes to university and gets all these super powerful, like, friends and learns how to do a bunch of stuff. And, like, mm. doesn't go perfectly, but, like, he does, like, get the crew together and, like, and, like, get smarter um, or at least get more powers. So, I just find it, like, to me, this was, like, a great point of, like, Pat pointing out how contrived certain stories can be while also summarizing exactly what's really going to happen mm. right so there's this like <laughs> constant wink and nod to the reader um again he doesn't literally like you know go and learn all the names of everything but still it's that um i really i, I really enjoyed that like i like this this interlude for me felt very human and very like real which i which i really enjoyed so for saying things we like yeah i have a similar note about um you know whenever and again, I think there's another interlude, or maybe my notes are just a bit mixed up, where Quoth is like, oh, this isn't a story, this is true, this is real life, but also what I'm about to say is still going to kind of happen like a story. And then the mm -hmm. chapter that follows, I think, is the chapter where he's trying to get um, namer guy Elodin to, yes. to mm -hmm. take him on, to teach him about naming, and like he's narrating how like the young Quoth has heard all these stories about like the apprentice trying to be taken on by the master and he has to pass all these tests. So the way that like 15 year old Quoth um, is approaching this is like everything Elodin does from he and he's like, oh, what would someone in a story do? And that's when he fucking jumps off a roof. Yeah, that, that um, was funny. <laughs> I, I did like that. I We're gonna have to talk about Elodin later, but. Yeah, I did. All my notes are just like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Joker teacher. <laughs> I, so... I have thoughts about him, but I don't want to get to him before we actually get into the unit stuff. Yeah. Like, um, Elodin specifics aside, what I like is the fact that the plot is advanced by Kvoth being a theater kid, having, knowing what story mm -hmm. structure is like, and then, like, trying, mm -hmm. like, aiming there, which I, I think is interesting yeah. like actually interesting i feel like it's yeah. definitely like gained a little bit more self-awareness as it goes on yeah. Mm. yeah you ever you ever watch um adventure time anyone here so you know you know the grables the episode for like five short yes. grable and like the very last grable episode where like he's on the run from like space dogs and like has to use the grables to like find out where finn hit a secret wand or something like that like or like he breaks his leg and has to use a grable to find out how to like how the ice king like fixed his broken leg and so he does it like i get that vibe a lot right now like quote is sort of like pulling grables out of his head and it's like oh shit what do i i, I, I i've done dune dickens and now i'm gonna uh roll the grable oh find a hot girl cool all right next grable right and it's like like and there's just this like really funny quality of like yeah and again that's cheek i agree with you entirely it, it, it the self-awareness becomes like almost nice right it almost becomes like yeah okay like cool there's a story about a guy who knows a bunch of stories telling a story and there's a bunch of other stories going on and the stories help him and the stories sometimes hurt him and yeah like cool uh, yeah that's like that's, that's, that kind of feels like that's the entire concept of this book. Like it's a book about stories within stories, and like it just feels like Pat was like, "Oh, what if we made like the, the, all this meta shit?" And like as a concept, that is interesting. Yeah, I don't think it but... works always, but there's moments where it's uh, yeah, where yeah. it can be cool. 
Uh, I also speaking Definitely of stories, uh, I do I do think Scarpy is kind of a cool character. Um, just like yeah, this. like epic. Um, I do like the bit where the um, evil priest, uh, like and and the priest cops around in the bar, and he's like, "Ha you guys are so lame. I have friends in the church. I'll be fine." Um, like the thing is with epic moments is that sometimes I am like, "Okay, that yeah. was cool." I think yeah. Scarpy is Scarpy is genuinely pretty epic. Like I like the. I don't know when when it's like in the framing story where it's like uh Quoth uh being like I'm so perfect at telling stories uh, you are not allowed to drop a single word uh from mm. the way I tell the stories that's always grating on me mm. but when we have the same thing from Scarpy who is like described in a way that like all these children are sitting around and they are like the most attentive audience they know that they're not allowed to in like speak while he is speaking uh, for a second like that's like this, this rule everyone knows and it's like they're looking attentively at his uh at his cup uh on how much there's there is still in because they know he's gonna finish the story once it's uh once it's done like in in relation to like this this like kind of mythical character of skype it's pretty cool like i i like the cliche of the uh very captivating storyteller if it's like tied mm. to this character that we don't know shit about yeah, yeah sure. and actually because the one thing we do know about scarpy is mm. that he was mentioned like in the earlier because he was the one who was like looking for quotes or something and he came up earlier and it's like we've heard his name before yeah um so when he appears you're like ooh. Ooh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think his business model is flawed. What I don't love about Scarpy, though, is the way then the church comes in and is like, this is heresy and taking him away. Like, that's. <laughs> it's an epic atheism thing. It's like, yeah. oh, but, oh, look how bad the church is, but he's cool, so he's gonna epic his way out of it, which he does do. And I can't say that I hate, but it is very much like, um, isn't Catholicism whack? <laughs> Like, they come in and Scarpy's like, they're censoring me. Well, I mean, he's not, but the, the mood is <laughs> he's like, ha Yeah. I, that, to me, just like, Evil Church is such a boring story device to use. <laughs> if they're just like about how, uh, oh, this is heresy, right? Like, that's... Well, it, it can be interesting if, like, you see that affect people, right? So, like, yeah. if you have, like, somebody who, like, is a member of the church and they like really struggle with like how authoritarian the church is being, but the church still gives them some sort of purpose or hold on life or something like that becomes like, it's oh, like super interesting character stuff. This is just like, uh, you know, you replace the church with fucking Nazis. If you want to do it's like the most, like you can shift <laughs> yeah. it out for any authoritarian thought policey kind of people. And it's just like, you can't have a giant religion without people who legitimately believe in it and understand that it has problems. And if you don't want to do that, then just don't fucking write a religious, you know, place as one of your main, not plot points, but one of the main sort of, um, you know, driving factors of at least some of the stories, right? You have to, you have to do more than that. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't really tie into, like, anything that the actual characters are doing. Yeah, It's like, no. the, 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 sorry, because now I'm thinking about, um, actually I'm thinking about Fire Emblem Three Houses and the fact that the church as this authoritarian uh, institution works because, like, God is real and she lives in your titties. <laughs> but this, like, 
in this text, yeah. it's like, doesn't really, if God is real, there has been no sign of it yet. So the, it doesn't, it could be literally anyone. It doesn't have to be the church. It's just like, ah, uh, the, the, the big institution that censors free speech. <laughs> I mean, I'm also mm-hmm. like, this is possibly just because I didn't super understand the story. Um, that Scarpia was telling. Um, I don't understand how what he was saying was heresy because he did talk about Taylor being a god slash angel yeah. figure um, and who did exist. So uh, it's like <laughs> the same way uh, the Catholic Church says Harry Potter is heresy or whatever. It's yeah. the Catholic Church. I think I don't think that's the Catholic or the Anglican Church or whatever. Like, it's not. Ang- yeah, it's like, yeah. a, like that was like a huge media narrative, right? How church? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I people, think that's mostly uh, like evangelicals, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because J.K. Rowling, other than being like a shithead, also explicitly wants like church approval or whatever, or there's like some really very badly shoehorned in Christian bits in it. Well, the wizards celebrate Christmas, although it is fine because remember, she did confirm in a tweet that there was a Jewish student at Hogwarts. His name is Anthony Goldstein, and he's a Ravenclaw. Oh, yeah, I, oh my god. Sorry, it's a whole different podcast just going through JK Rowling's names for non white characters. <laughs> right. There's or, or, like non like British characters or something. Because it's like, you know, the yeah, the Jewish boy's name is Jeffrey Finkelstein and the, the Chinese girl's Cho Chang and like you know, it's like it's the shit's wild. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Sorry, that's a different podcast. Yeah, however, I can segue from that. Um, because speaking of non-white characters, uh huh. <laughs> so, I think I think that like because Quoth makes some friends. Oh yeah, and this I is th- the most unbelievable part of the story thus far. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Quoth, Quoth makes some adult friends who are like, sure, we'll hang out with a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, so like I think one of them is not white, but I'm not quite sure which one because it's never they're never like really described. I just have absorbed from like fan art that one of them's not white, but they're never. I think that's Willem. Yeah. Okay. No, because Savoy is also kind of. um, I hate him, by the way, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Because there's Willem who has trouble with the language that they all speak, and then there's Savoy who at one point is described as coming from a different, in brackets, more sexually liberated culture, and also says things about like, oh yeah, because um, like- his homeland being like treating things differently, and how he has horses that are more hybrid than those guys um yeah every time i read about that character i immediately forget and erase it from my mind and brain <laughs> yeah i have some stuff to say about his character <laughs> to me all of his uni friends are just like one guy <laughs> like it's, well, it's, yeah. it's like one guy and then one awful rich guy that they hang out with for some yeah. reason uh, <laughs> it, it's really hard to tell the difference between mm-hmm. like i like i'm bad with like names and in, in novels overall like really bad but like I, this was this was really this was hard. Mm-hmm. Like I could not remember yeah. who yeah. was who. Like, honestly, like same for most of the teachers, with like two exceptions. Yeah, I don't have a lot of like straight men friends, so I just assume they're just <laughs> all like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their names are like basically just William and Simon. Yeah, like <laughs> but like fantasy versions. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's the it's the DM who's like you know it's like oh the shopkeeper says hello and there's like what's the shopkeeper's name? And you're like. Will M. Yeah. Will M. Yeah. 
But or it's honestly, like because like, they have the guy on the carts who's called Derek, but it's spelled different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, oh, some, yeah. there's some like more specific RPG stuff that I will get to later, but like just in general, um, a theory has started like developing in my head, and I don't know if this even makes any sense because you know it's just writing, but it, it really feels like uh, like Patrick treats every character who isn't quoth as just the same way as you would treat an NPC in a D&D game. Like, they, they mm. all seem to just be there to, uh, to serve the purpose of have someone to talk to quoth in that situation or have, um, I don't know, like, none of them feel like characters. They all feel like NPCs. Well, yeah. I mm. mean, there's the bit where, like, um, Quoth is like super busy and hasn't had time to see his two best friends in like a while. Um, and they're like, "We want to hang out with you more." And I was like, "Why?" <laughs> what, and also, Why? what have you guys been up to? It's like, <laughs> yeah, because the GM throws like something at you, so you can't like do something in this session. <laughs> yeah, mm. they don't seem to have like motivations for themselves. Uh, that are like, like what? What does Sim do in his free time? I don't know. <laughs> They just like disappear when they're off screen. Yeah, yeah. Sim has this problem where when he's alone, he gets into a pool, and then somehow the ladder is magically removed, and Sim is stuck in the pool. (laughs) 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 That was dumb. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, I want to say that it feels like um, Quoth's friends, who to me are just Will and Sim. I don't know who anyone else is. Like, there's Fella. And maybe someone else later on. Um, it feels like they're there because Kvothe is at uni, right? You know, university. Yeah. Tertiary yeah. education. And the thing that you do at uni is you hang out with your friends in the pub. So there's got to be some friends somewhere because Kvothe is here doing all the uni things. And that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And that kind of feels like their role. <laughs> but yeah, he's 15. And it's so funny. Like, could you imagine... Ha- like being at university in like your yes. second year, let's say equivalent. A really hard one too. This this a really hard university. Yeah, game. you're in. Like you really. You're like, in Harvard. This was tough. Um. Yeah, you you're. And you're in you're in Harvard Law School, so you've already done a degree. Yeah. Okay, and then some fifteen year old is in your <laughs> class as well, and he's like, "You guys want to go to a bar?" And then you say yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy this kid a drink. <laughs> Yeah, and the next time you're like, man, that was such a great time. I'm gonna invite him next time. Right? Like, it's like <laughs> he's like, do you want to come uh, to my open mic? And then you also say yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, okay. So, like, some of my drinking history, you know, I, I'm, I'm Irish. Um, whenever we were like 17 and we were drinking, someone had a friend who was like. 14, I think. We might have been like 18, but they were like 15 or 14, three years younger than this. And just because they were just some kid and they had the like clout to just walk into this older teenager's party, everyone was just like, yeah! Chuck, chuck, chuck. I'm like, we just, we fucking loved this kid because he was like, what's a child doing here? It was great. Was this your rap on Isle, mate? Uh, no, but yeah, close. It sounds like Rathman Degenshi. It does sound like something Rathman Islanders would get up to. Uh, shout out to Rathman Island um, for having no cops. Shout out. <laughs> but just, I'm like, honestly, I kind of, I can kind of see it. Like, there's just a child at the uni and everyone's like, cool. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, if we had, 
because we, we only get it from his head, so, you know, we don't know if, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe in, like, his memory or his perception it was just, like, his friends, but, like, actually, they were just, like, <laughs> get a load of this guy. <laughs> 15-year-old pissing off the chemistry teacher. What's that? Sympathy teacher. There's a scene where... I think it's like after he gets banned from the library um, because he pisses off Ambrose. And I know we can talk about Ambrose if anyone's interested in that. Um, And he's like in the dining hall and he's like talking to his friends about like... He's like, oh, I fucking hate Ambrose. And like he realizes that everyone's listening in on their conversation. So he starts like saying stuff, um, and I think he literally says like, "Oh, parody redacted." I'm not actually going to kill Ambrose. I was just yeah. quoting from something. <laughs> yeah. That was. Um, <laughs> I didn't hate that. It was pretty it, funny. It, it reminded me of Yanosh's podcast. Um, I'm going to be real here. Um, <laughs> and then there's like another bit where he talks about all these rumors he started about himself. Yeah. That so was... <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. Why would you do that? He loves drama. We've established he's a theater kid. Yeah. Yeah, he lives for drama. But um, now that we like this, this really changes a lot to me to imagine him being like fifteen-year-old short king. Um, mm. <laughs> because all the rumor stuff gets gets really funny if if you like know that or or if you if you see it as nobody actually believed those they they were just playing along because a 15 year old was in university and it's the funniest shit that happened in your school like, <laughs> since you started that's really the best way to read it isn't it <laughs> yeah i guess we're already at the university part so we can just like yeah let's go second mode go i do want to i do want to just say and put yes. myself out there and say that there is a chapter that i liked and it's not without its flaws, but it did mm-hmm. it did give me the epic feeling that I think this book is aiming for, which is the one where he completely owns the fuck out of Hammer by uh like voodooing his foot on fire. Mm-hmm. Um I thought that was good. The rest of the university bit I did not like at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah. that's interesting because I want to talk about that chapter because like I kind of hated that chapter. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, the only I think the reason I like it is because it aims to give you that kind of feeling of if you had a shitty teacher that you hated or you had like a bully in school, like the the dream is like when you know you get home after school and you got you're in the shower and you're like oh i could have yeah. said this fuck that would have been so cool that's this yeah. is the shower imagination scene <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean yeah, it is that this, it's also it just is... like something that has been like written a million times i feel like yeah. but that, that's fine but, but can I break i feel like it's less that and more like you go home in the shower Lincoln Park's playing, and you're like, I wish I'd lit the teacher's foot on fire. Like, that's some school shooter shit. Like, that's not, that's not. Okay, yeah. It's not just like, uh, I wish I'd said the right thing. Yeah. It's like, I wish I had maimed my instructor. And I think that's the reason that I, that chapter fucking pisses me off because, like, um, Master Hema comes in. First of all, I wanted to mention that one of the first things he says is there's like one woman girl in the class okay yeah and he's like could you please cross your legs and the student whose name is Rhea is like okay and then Hemi says now that the gates are hell are closed we can start the class and it's just like I like Patrick no you you just stuffing this book full of the worst kind of sexism like it's a fucking turkey yeah why like okay so yeah you've set this teacher up as uh, being an awful person so that now when Kvothe 
owns him, pwns him. We feel good about that, but it's like, mate, did you fucking have to? But also, um, this is like most of my notes about, like, most of my notes about this book are about the portrayal of women in it. And, like, that's a really interesting scene because, yeah, he says this horrible thing to a female student. And then in the next chapter that they have with this teacher, Kvothe owns the shit out of him, but he doesn't do that because. It yeah. in revenge for how he's treated this female character. He even invites one of the other students, Hema, embarrassed to help him do it. But it's not the female character. It's it's one of the guys who got forced to write an essay. And like, and it's also with the Ambrose stuff in the library where he he dislikes Ambrose, but not because he's a misogynist. Because both he and Hema are halting Quoth's, um progression his academic progression he never mm-hmm. resents a guy for being a misogynist it's it's resenting the guys for like keeping him back yeah yeah and let's yeah. actually start there's, there's this before poem. we like Here. talk more about the university <laughs> stuff let's talk about uh, I, one of the many elephants in in the room of this book and it's the entrance exam scene mm. <laughs> oh. i had some more stuff to say about uh, the Hema chapter. Yeah, um, I, I think me too, but the Hema stuff already starts there, right? Like the He already starts like having grudges against him for whatever nebulous reasons at that. Like that's that's the scene where Hema gets introduced, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just before we go back, I also wanted to follow up from Lisa's point in the, the Ambrose scene wherever Ambrose is kind of creeping on Fela, who's mm-hmm. the woman there, and like Kvothe he tries to bully Quoth, Quoth bullies him back. But again, like Lucy said, not because he's being a creeper towards a woman and he wants to help the woman. He just wants to, like, prove that he's better, that he's not bullyable by Ambrose. And, like, oh, in the process, he also happens to help this woman, Fella, yeah. like, escape from yeah. Ambrose being a creep towards her. But, like, he doesn't, like... That's sort of a, a side effect of, like, Quoth being epic. Yeah, his motivations are just never empathetic. No, <laughs> yeah. no. It, which, which is the thing is like for me, like let me just use Pat's words here for a second on like three twenty, three twenty one. Oh, no. Because this to me was the moment where I'm like, okay, like if you want to do like a shitty teenager being shitty and like not having good politics or hanging out with mostly guys or whatever, I, I, I'm willing to you know vibe with you there for a second, right? And I want that for the whole book, but second, but Pat's aware of this shit, right? It's on three twenty. It's at the very end. It's one of the interludes. I'm obsessed with these interludes. Oh yeah, I wrote this one down as well. Bast ate half of everything. Yeah, Bast ate half of everything. Chronicler accounted for a sizable though more modest amount. Both had a bite or two before he spoke. Onward then. Music and magic. Triumph and folly. Think now. What does our story need? What vital element is lacking? <laughs> Women, Reshi, Bass said immediately. There's a real paucity of women. Uh, uh, Bass, social justice warrior. You know uh, what? Okay, okay, feminist. okay, but the thing uh, is, he's just ignoring the women that are already there. Yeah. Both Sorry, smiled, finished. Not women, Bass, a woman, the woman. Right, it's so like, like. I, I hear it! <laughs> uh, I hear it! I, I, I literally good. I wrote some notes in the book when I read this and I was like no it was this is my written notes but like no I'm gonna hate this this is like the yeah. first book I've read where I want less female characters because they're written so poorly <laughs> yeah. God you got to push back the female characters talk because that's that's also like the other big thing 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I specific I hate that paint that quote for two reasons because if Bast is only saying it because he fucks and he's the horny one and he wants to see more sexy women in the yeah. story, like he doesn't want female characters in the story. He just wants to see titties in his mind. And the fact that Quoth is like, no, no, I only need one no, more woman, no. one special. One. I'm like, fuck, oh my fuck. no, 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 no. <laughs> Bast very male feminist. That's my that's my take on I this. Mean- <laughs> He's, I guess, like out of all the guys in this book, yeah, the most respectful thing you can do to a woman is fuck her. Don't exactly. you know? <laughs> uh, listen, if it's consensual, it's better than half the shit that Quoth is doing. Yeah, so. um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. It is pretty funny how it's like fucking. Stories, um, you know, one of the elements of stories is women alongside, or a woman, you know, alongside with other stuff. <laughs> you like, get one. You get yeah, one. Yeah, it's and just like a, one of the many elements. That... <laughs> she's a plot device. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah, so the, the way he talks about, like, oh, the woman is waiting in the wings of our story to end. I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. Um, do we want to go back and talk about entrance exams? Please. We like should, said, because yeah. when, when we do fully get onto women, I have so many points. <laughs> um, the entrance exam chapter, like, goes through me. Like, wind. I guess wind would go around me. Sorry. Goes through me like juice. Um, I just... He answers all these questions. They're all facts and sounding things. It's nothing to me. I don't know. He knows them. It's just, to me, that that chapter is, like, such a... That's, like, one of the big, like, stupid D&D bullshit that <laughs> Patrick puts in this book. Is that sometimes you have a situation where, like, the DM sets you up uh, or the GM sets you up uh, for a thing where you have to, like, you know, you don't have the means to uh, to get there. And, you know, clearly the thing you're supposed to do is, I don't know, do some missions, do some grinding whatever (laughs) but you're gonna say no i'm gonna ask i'm gonna ask them to let me in not only for free but actually pay me and the gm is gonna be like okay like you're gonna need a really high charisma roll for that (laughs) then you roll a net 20 yeah (laughs) (laughs) cool if it happens in an rpg but you wrote this story patrick it like it makes no sense in the context of a regular story well, I do think it it first of all again because I I like a I like those fun hijinks that aren't like bullying people. Yeah. I like that he sneaks in, eavesdrops on all the questions, and like kind of cheats on the entrance exam. Um, oh, I like that. And yeah. I also think some of the stuff. I don't know if I specifically liked it, but I liked that a lot of the things about these chapters are. Like a lot of the things that um, push these chapters are that Quoth is flat broke, he has no money, and that they're all it's you know it's that hashtag student loans mood. <laughs> so what I like about the first entrance exam is that it really sets up how Quoth's need for money and like the fact that he has no money is what's pushing him to do all this stuff. Um, I, I think yeah. I don't know if Pat pulls that off, but like. It has the potential to be interesting. Yeah. I do enjoy like a lot of just his problem solving that he does through his like his charismatic hygiene. It's just kind of fun to see what he comes up with. Yeah, I see I like the way the like 
need for money shakes out for the second tuition because mm-hmm. there it's like really like some you know some running around uh asking these people these people for loan finding the instrument whatever <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's that's fun i like that i don't like just being granted uh <laughs> and even being paid for entering university it is okay can i tell a short anecdote please um about one time i was in india i was 12 no 11 years old and i walked into a carpet shop um and i just started haggling with the carpet guy and i was this like 12 year old white girl you're looking to die um (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and it's just like my parents were there and they were like looking at carpets vaguely interested but i just started haggling with the carpet seller um he was again like middle-aged indian gentleman and he was just so kind of incredulous that this kid was haggling with him that he sold like a sort of a translating current like a 500 quid carpet to me for like 200 quid huh <laughs> and like i don't think like my, my my dad said to me later like i don't think he could believe that you were doing this so he just went with it so he could like tell his friends later <laughs> that he'd like this ch- white child had haggled with him uh-huh. so it's like Again, coming back to, like, they're just being a 15-year-old and they're not, like, they're just, like, fucking might as well. Let's see, well, let's fuck <laughs> around and find out. And then they fuck around and they're like, oh, this guy sucks, actually. Yeah. But he walks in <laughs> and they're like, terrible. wow, new guy just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I know, I I get it. Like, he, it's so insufferable, but also, like, I get it and, like, I find enjoyment in it. I found him less insufferable in this uh, quarter of the book than he was in the first, which is strange because he does do a lot of insufferable stuff, but I think the problems with that were um, overshadowed for me personally um, by some of the other issues. (laughs) (laughs) They stuck out less. How do we like this, like, assortment of teachers? What, the boring, like, there's uh, a series of people with no personality, and then one who's Uh kind of a blacksmith, and then one who's the Joker, and then one who's Snape. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, in GX, Jill Academia only has four teachers. There's the bully, the Italian clown, there's, like, a nice little cat boy, and then there's a guy who's simply nice, and you you only need, like, three or four teachers. That's all you need. The four genders. (laughs) The four genders. (laughs) There's a few ones who are, like, I have no idea who they are. Like, I don't know who the uh, infirmary mm. teacher is. No clue. Oh, fuck. I forgot about him. Like, he's he like, comes yeah. up a few times and he's like, you know, even offers him like a position or whatever. And okay. He's just a guy. And then there's like a guy who's named like Elk Sardin or something like that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He teaches advanced <laughs> sympathy. I don't know how I remember that. Because <laughs> that was like pretty much towards the end of this chunk. Uh and so he was like the last teacher came up, and then there's Kilvin, who has like a. I I like the voice the audiobook narrator gave him. He has like Ooh. a booming deep voice. Okay, see, I I really like um Kilvin and all the fishery stuff because yeah. I'm just I'm absolutely poggers for a good workshop. Like just <laughs> as a person, I yeah. love to like just think about a really great workshop. Um, yeah, I think that stuff rules. I I do like. Kilvin, uh, even though he's like pretty much the mentor character teacher, I guess for, uh, for for quote, but it's not a bad one out of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, like it does, 
again, it does seem like the DM has like yeah. some teachers. Each of them has like a line written about them, and then there's like a whole page about Eladin. <laughs> yeah, then we have like the says, he's the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> we also have like the library guy who is just like very stern and is that Lauren? Lauren, yeah, I yes, think so. yeah. Lauren. Uh, I don't really have any opinions about him because I think Kvothe is a shithead. So I like, yeah, he deserves like, it. Yeah, he was kind of valid for the way he was acting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I think like, banning him for life is maybe a little harsh, but. Nah, I don't think it is. I think both deserved that. Set fire to the library. Come on. Yeah, true. And also, yeah, I mean, like, this... he did also punish Amber, which I was like, huh, poggers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I just say it's like it's one of those things where I've been so I've been playing my free time recently, uh, Dragon Age Two, going back to a, cl- a classic that I liked um, in high school. And the thing is, like, again, whatever you're reading or watching most recently feels relevant, but like in that game. There's just a lot of characters you walk up to and click A, and they'll be like, "Hello, welcome to the Elven War." And like, I just like it's it's incredible to me. Like, it's actually almost funny how that's like most of the characters in this novel. They're not in front of the, the, the library guy. It's like I'm the stern library guy, and you made the wrong dialogue tree choice. So now this next mission is gonna be even harder, right? Like. Like that's that's the vibe that I kept getting. Again, I, I'm playing the game right now, so like I, I have that close at hand. But it's just like, how can you have an opinion on, uh, you know, a cog in a story machine? Like, I don't have I don't have opinions on that shit. I have opinions <laughs> on characters and what they're trying to do. I don't I don't, I don't give a shit about your like plot. Device I have opinions on characters, of which this is not one. Yeah. <laughs> of which this is just a, it's just a guy who's like, dude, you're about to burn down like the one library in like the Western Hemisphere, or whatever. Yeah. Like, like there's not like twenty of them. It's like you. You threaten a lot of stuff. You shouldn't be here. You're a 15 year old kid. Get the fuck out of my face, kid. Like, you're banned for life, right? Mm-hmm. And Koth is like, no, I'm so smart, though. Ha ha. And it's just like, yeah, I deserve to. Cool. I deserve to get access to the library. I, I do kind of like that he gets, uh, he gets, uh, banned for life from the library. Like, it's, um, this is controversial, but I like when my, when the characters have, like, challenges to overcome instead of just having <laughs> things <laughs> to them. Okay, so. okay. Okay, no, but like, That's... I realized um, whenever Kvothe gets banned from the library, also whenever he jumps off a roof, whenever he gets, like, uh, lashes, the, the things I, the enjoyment I get out of seeing Kvothe get, like, his comeuppances yeah. for the shit he's pulled, like, that's that's the payoff for me. And then I realized how I kind yep. of kind of wild that is that like the thing i'm enjoying yeah about the book i'm reading is when my the character gets like punished for his arrogance and like that's my favorite part i'm like "Mm." i don't think it's supposed to be i think those parts are like supposed to be like sobering moments or whatever yeah i i so i i have a i have a friend of mine who he's he's very very smart but he's not an academia or anything he's smarter than i am and just like he will always ask, I'm reading a novel or something, he'll ask me, is it good? I'll start explaining, well, it does this and that, and he goes, what, is it good? <laughs> and like, and, and, and I keep coming back like these, these moments of just like, is like, what is, what's your vibe when you're reading it? Are you going to defend something? But like, what do you just actually feel in the moment starting there? And the thing is, this is a novel that made me like, kind of excited and happy to see a 15 year old kid get whipped uh, in public. <laughs> like, this is the harm Patrick Rothfuss has done to my sense of human ethics and like, sympathy. <laughs> and I, I don't appreciate it. 
I mean, I think you get a pass on that one because, again, in no part of the story does he ever act like a 15-year-old. Yeah. He's functionally an adult. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I don't really understand the point of having him be so young. It's just it it's really... just so he can be like, I'm so young, but I'm in the university, which means <laughs> yeah. I'm better than all of you. <laughs> yeah, I think like, so. The, the anime time skip could have been like a year longer and then he would have been 16, which would have been... The, yeah. the legal age? What are you trying to go for <laughs> Like, what is the... Like, like just... Ooh, 16. Even, like, even him being 16 would feel more normal and regular than being 15. Like... Yeah. yeah. I guess he could have had, like, other adventures before getting to uh, university. I don't know. I feel like it's... Because I haven't finished book two. But mm-hmm. for all I've read of book two, it was still in the university. And I think it's mm-hmm. kind of weird to structure like a three-part epic fantasy Wait, in a hang way. On. Book hmm? two is still in the university. Yeah. Wait, he doesn't get yeah, out of the yeah. university it's... in this book, right? Like, I mean, I think... well, he, he, he he's attached to yeah. Goes and uh, comes back. And okay. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's a good point though. Just like Carbine sucks ass and is very boring, yeah. and I think that Pat knew that. <laughs> right, I think like Pat started writing into Kent. Like again, this is my like reading and like totally unfounded, no knowledge or anything here. But just like it's like Tarbine is very forgettable. Like I'm, it is like whenever when and I don't know, I don't know the first episode we have it recorded, but like I don't know for those of you who've read this before, you think back on this novel. Like this is the novel about like a, a, a like depressed innkeeper whose parents are dead, who's the coolest guy of all time, who goes to university and like you know becomes cool, right? Like I. I, I like the Tarbine stuff is there. I remember it, but like it's not interesting. And so, like that to me also feels like the like sign of a you know abandoned plot thread. But I already did a bunch of writing, and it'd be hard work to actually go back and make it better or like you know make it relevant. So I'm just gonna leave it there and hope people forget about it. I mean, to be honest, actually, from everything we know, sort of about Pat and. You know, I can't remember. Janusz read something last episode about how oh, fin- Pat's really finickety about finickety about writing. He'll rewrite and re-rewrite stuff a hundred oh, times. Was okay, yes, yes. Um, so honestly, it just it feels to me this book like Pat's raison d'être is to go to university, and like he's in love with that university environment. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it says on his wiki page that he did like grad student teaching at uni for fucking ages. Yeah. Um, it was just a Dark I, Academia I, mood board. Like, that's what I... Really? Yeah. I right in the beginning. Yeah. It's mm. it, it really, like, the more I think about it, would have made, would have just made more sense to have book two be university. And then, like, like book one is, like, childhood or whatever. Book two, he can be, like, 18 by that point, university. Book three, whatever king killing he's got to do. I don't know. <laughs> he's got kings to kill. <laughs> Um, I, this is not a university I'd want to go to. Um, <laughs> I not, don't want to go to a university that has a fucking asylum on campus, yeah. right? <laughs> this has corporeal punishment. I don't want to go also. to an, a uni with an on-site asylum, asylum uh, whipping, or yeah. the way it treats women. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you, you, you're showing your pri- you're showing your British privilege here for a second. Uh, I kill for you know, as an American with no uh, national health insurance, I kill for an asylum and, and mental health services for students on campus. Hundred percent, they'll make you pay for it. When they were talking about the Medica on this university campus, and they were like, "Oh yeah, it doesn't make you pay," and I was like, "Okay, normal for healthcare." And then he was like, "At least at first. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this was written by an American." Okay, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Yeah. How did you know? That? You can get ill three times. Uh, 
It's interesting that a lot of the environments and characters just like, it seems like we keep coming back to everything just feels sort of two dimensional. And it's almost like the story is just written as an experiment to make like a whole plot, just one character and like yeah. nothing else. <laughs> okay. So speaking it's of like, things being, can you make a story out of one character? Speaking of things being two dimensional, um, everything in the uni is like a reskinned version of real life uni. <laughs> like both like you there's an entrance exam you're worrying about your tuition fees you get like a dorm room he then like he has to like pick a major there's like a whole section he's like oh what am i gonna study um there's like they talk about going to the medica and how going to fucking medical school takes like seven years and you're like well great he, they talk about how there's like this rivalry between like the arts and like stem basically <laughs> How, like, the uni people think, look down on, like, artists and musicians and vice versa. And, like, there's so much. And I'm just, like, this is literally just Pat being, like, okay, what's uni in, quote, unquote, real life like? And how do we translate that into fantasy terms? Yeah. It's just... You just do Harry Potter classes. Yeah. (laughs) It feels kind of like a pinball machine of a fantasy story where the only thing that matters is the ball and the rest is just kind of, like, a vibe. (laughs) Yeah. That's a perfect... I, that's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly it. It is just really, exactly. f- really funny though, because it is such a like by the numbers tr- like transcription of a, a normal university in our world. But then he was like, "Okay, but I'm going to add whipping as a punishment," and they're going to have an on-site asylum, which both felt very out of place in this. <laughs> they did, because as far as we've seen in this book so far not one other person has been whipped and it's like so <laughs> like you guys yeah. are just fine like, with this w- we talked about how how much we love that quote uh, gets whipped <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i'd love it <laughs> like i, I did ge- it did genuinely take me out a bit when uh you know we had that great teme class scene mm. uh, and then after that you know the teachers were discussing and i was like okay I guess he's gonna have to write down, like, copy a book 500 times or whatever. Whipping! (laughs) Yeah. But also, it's like, when they're discussing whether, you know, he's gonna get expelled for malfeasance or whatever it was, and they're like, well, first of all, he performed sympathy on somebody without um, permission. Uh, Strike one, that's some lashes. And then strike two, he did malfeasance, so that's uh, some more lashes, and then we'll expel him. If I was going to be expelled, I simply wouldn't let people whip me. It's like, (laughs) I'm already leaving. Like, if you're expelling me, just do it. I'll, you know. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) What's the (laughs) point? Just very weird. Hmm. Oh, fuck, I just remembered that, like, the whipping thing is the reason he gets promoted to the, like, next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because he's... Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Because like oh. the epic prank he pulled on Hermie, yeah, yeah, <laughs> makes perfect. Sense. Why the fuck not? Perfect. Sense. Can it's I pl- so much? I, yeah. Can I? Can I? Can I please talk about go the women? Go sicko mode. Go sicko mode. I just have like it's so many of my notes. I just wanna okay. The worst paragraph in this, and there's a bunch, but I mean it's <laughs> it's mostly just like an entire. It's a page. Um, I will tell you, I'm just trying to find it because it's like the whole chapter, actually. Um, <laughs> is it the data chapter? No, it's in the university chapter. It is chapter 43, The Flickering Way, so that is page 283. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the one with Ambrose. Um, mm, and Fela. Yes. 
Oh yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. And he's I still just, high. I yeah. I just. I know where you're going. <laughs> okay. So he he describes mm, like I'm... walking into the archives and seeing Ambrose like sat next to Fella at the front desk and he's like holding her neck and like he's got a hand on her knee and he's like reading her poetry or something and she looks really uncomfortable. Um, we've all been there. It's horrible. Um, and he's like, mm. this awakened an anger in me that I remembered from the streets and it's like, okay, so he's seen people be harassed before. Um. He, you know, he's going to do something about it. Um, and then he proceeds to mock Ambrose's poetry because of it. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, rhythm. And then when Ambrose is like, can you just leave us alone? He says this. God's body, this isn't some brothel. And in case you hadn't noticed, she's a student, not some brass nail you pay to bang away at. If you're going to force yourself on Jesus. a woman, have the decency to do it in an alleyway. At least then she'll feel justified screaming about it. I, what the fuck? I didn't read this paragraph when I first read this. Like, I literally missed this. What the fuck? This, uh, I, I had to, like, stop reading for a minute because I literally couldn't believe that this was in here. Um, it is the most, like, this is, like, the grossest thing you could say. Like, at in least. In the name of feminism, though, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, I know. Especially. <laughs> and it's, it's like. She she finally gets away from this situation because he embarrasses Ambrose enough that Ambrose like sends her off to the stacks or something, and then Ambrose is like, "How about a deal? You keep quiet about what you saw here today, and I'll bend the rules to let you through, even though you aren't officially in the book." And then Quoth says, "That'll be fine," and it never gets brought up again. It's like, so not only did you just see this student who was very nice to you in a previous chapter get sexually harassed, um you said that at least the guy doing it should have the decency to do it in an alleyway so she could feel justified if she screamed. Um, and then you I, were like, yeah, don't worry, I'll let this one slide, buddy. To the guy who did I'm, it. I've just noticed that, like, two paragraphs later, he turns to the woman, Fela, and he says, my lady scriv, with a deep bow. <laughs> Fucking my lady ass. My lady <laughs> My lady. Um, no, this is this is it's an incredible section, but it's so in lo- like there's almost I will say like there's something here that I almost like it's incredible because it's it's this feels exactly like somebody who was raised by a father who is like you know don't call a whore a whore yeah. you know like call you know call her a lady mm-hmm. whatever like, this is this is exactly what that kid would sound like yeah. right um so like a plus to Pat for for that but like <laughs> in character you know <laughs> F for everything else <laughs> he's consistently terrible yeah. I, like and and this sort of comes back into the um thing I was saying about why he dislikes Ambrose um and Hema because there's the scene later when they're at the was it a- a- alien yeah <laughs> yes um, yeah um it's the name of our Discord yeah that's where I recognized it from I was like that's a familiar name that I was like, oh, no. <laughs> that's what I named our chat yeah anyway, they're like because we're with... all fucking prodigies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talented musicians. I, I'll, I've, gi- I'm giving you all the pipes. Thank you. Hell yeah. Um, but like, there's the bit in this where they're all drinking around, and it's like the two best friends who are one person and Savoy. Um, <laughs> and then Savoy is like, "I'm better than you by blood." Anyway, bye guys. I have to go and have sex with a woman. And they're all like, oh, "That's that's Savoy." And he's like, "I'll take your drinks oh, on the Savoy. way out." And they're all like, "He's a good guy." 
And the waitress comes over with their drinks and she's like, he paid for your drinks. However, he didn't pay for putting his hand on my ass. I'll trust the three of you to settle that debt before you leave. Sim stammered an apology. He he doesn't mean in his culture that sort of thing is more common. And then they do a toast to him afterwards. And I'm like, okay, so... <laughs> Ambrose cool is guy. rich. Yeah, He's I know. Our friend. Ambrose is rich and harasses women, and we don't like him. Mm. Um, Savoy is rich and harasses women, but we do Fine. like him because Epic. he buys them drinks. <sighs> uh, honestly, like, I, I like I don't see Savoy. He's so unmemorable that I just yeah. <laughs> Who? What? <laughs> like, it, it's I also think like... at some point he just like disappears. Yeah, <laughs> he just sort of like gets removed from the. Plot. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I just, I just want to like, I mean, bring it outside of like name of the wind for a second here. Like, you can have, I'm gonna say, can you? Like, authors have successfully had shitty characters in novels mm-hmm. before, right? Like, mm-hmm. off in where it's been interesting or well done or whatever, and sometimes like prolonged investigations on this stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's this trust, right? That you like, even in like a shitty chapter, one where it's like you know, almost hard to read. Like what like I've taught novels where I've had to get like trigger warning and content warning to my students. Like, listen, there's going to be a chapter in here that's fucking rough. Mm. Um, but you kind of trust the novelist that they know what they're doing, uh-huh. that, that, that they're aware that this is bad and they're either going to comment on it or something's going to happen or actively nothing's going to happen and there's going to be some bigger commentary. But this really just feels like Pat just likes this shit. He just think it's he thinks it's cool. He thinks this is how like, you know, this is how not everyone in you know, the modern era should act. You know, back in medieval times, this guy is fucking cool and rad, right? Yeah. And that to me is like one of the reasons I can't like last last episode we were all like, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't bring Pat in as much. But this is why like all the interviews, all the weird shit around it just keeps coming back in this book. Yeah. Because I just I read that section and I don't think that Quoth is gonna later like reflect on his uh, youth because you know why i know he's not going to reflect on his youth because pat built it into the story to have a side thing where he can reflect on his youth and he doesn't find that to be a problem yeah right older quote doesn't and like you can imagine an older this all could have been solved in my mind of just like an interlude with quote was like fuck i was a real shitty kid like, like i'm telling i'm telling you the real shit i'm bearing it and it still would have been hard to read but at the very least there would have been that sort of like acknowledgement I mean, but the without thing is- that there I just hear about a guy who's was was hurt by a woman so much that he wrote Denna and imagines his like porn literary English student friend. Uh, and I just I, all that shit comes back to me. And I just like I just feel like people read this shit and think, you know, uh, it's, it's no big deal. It's just a novel. We'll just go to the good parts. And I'm like, this is these are the good parts for Pat. Mm. Yeah, it just it, they are. It's like anyway. the the sort of. A lot of this book feels built around assumptions that Pat has about what a medieval fantasy universe should look like and be like and what the politics of that are quote-unquote supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there doesn't seem, like, there's not much... Like, I made a note of somewhere in the text where Pat randomly throws the word corset in. And, like, I, like, you know, every time I see the word corset, I see, I hear a cinema sense ding <laughs> in my mind. Because, um, you know, it's always wrong. Always um, but it's like, oh fuck, I started thinking about corsets and I th- f- forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Shit, fuck. That is the most on-brand thing you've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, listen, I just started thinking about the fact that he threw the word corset in and then he presents this really non-industrialized society, except corsets are like, kind of came with industrialization in like the modern world and just like, 
don't, don't, don't even worry about it. Pat just throws it in there because it's just a word. It doesn't mean anything. Words. You think words mean things? <laughs> you're wrong. Um, I think you're it's, wrong. It's one of those things where it's like, it's sort of crucially the issue is that the book is sexist, but it mm. also points to some of the sexist things that happen yeah. in the book as plot points and look and says, look how bad this is. Uh, this is disgusting. This is sexism. This is gross. But then it drops those threads and and it doesn't address its own sexism because it doesn't realize it has it. Um, mm -hmm. And Kvoth isn't interested in making things better for the woman. I think in any fantasy story, what you have something like um, massive inequality. Um, you, you know, you have racism, fantasy racism, sexism, whatever. And obviously, I don't know where the story is building to at this point, and it's not like a save the world kind of story, but it's if you have hmm. a protagonist who claims to care about other people, you have to pay some thought, I think, to wider systemic problems within the story. And if you don't do that, you shouldn't point them out or even have them, maybe, because it, it just means you've yeah. re recreated what we have in our world and put it on the paper uncritically, because that's how you think the world is and should be. Mm. Yeah. It's one of um, Sanderson's rules of magic right, when he's talking about various stuff. Yeah, everyone knows the sort of first big rule, but one of his later rules that he talks about when like writing a magical world is he goes like, listen, if you have people who can like jump over buildings, buildings are going to look different. <laughs> right? If you have a world in yeah. which like people can metal bend, the, your, the way that your architecture around you is just going to look different. The currency might even be different because you might have a society that now instead of using metal currency, it has like whatever. But, like, Good fantasy writers are very aware of the systems that they are putting in place and the problem, the systemic problems, like literally the problems out of the system that arise from this, right? 100%. And very boring fantasy writers just assume like, they have this like shorthand. It's like, ah, you know what sexism looks like in your world. You know this sort of stuff here. Uh, so I'm just going to put it in here so I can tut-tut our world, right? I can tut-tut the systemic problems of you know the reader's universe and make it feel like almost like not out of place, but just like it's unnecessary, not because it can't be in the story, but because we have no notion of why this is relevant to the story. There's mm. no there's no notion of how like, you know, gender equality or inequality works in this world or anything. And like, it doesn't have to be, but you want there to be. You want to talk about the systemic problems yeah, like and he, have those be there and not have any system Like talk. he thinks like, about- Like if you're not gonna do that, he thinks about the sexism about as much as he thinks about like the evil church authorities like those two things mm. yeah. get like yeah. about the exact same amount of thought uh th yeah. and yeah like w we mentioned the like uh campus harassment scene i guess of um like when hemi tells that student to uh, that like one female student in class i guess to close yeah, her uh, legs uh, because you don't want uh, not, not you know you want to close the mm. demon's hole or whatever that character does she ever show up again i i think she does actually is she a character like i recognized her name and i also recognized fella's name i remember fella i i remember fella because yeah. when i read this book and i was like 18 i thought she was like a very sexy character like conceptually <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad this is a safe space for you, Yana, because I'm, I'm really, I like, <laughs> you're among friends. Yeah. There is, like, there's this un another bit in the awful chapter um, where they're talking about how shitty Ambrose is towards the end of it, and there's this throwaway line from Sim that's like, oh yeah, and then there was, like, like people he's fucked with because he's rich, basically. And then Sim's like, and then there was Tabitha. She made all that noise about how Ambrose had promised to marry her. She just disappeared. 
And no, no one ever brings that up again, that he maybe made a woman disappear. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. what? No, it, it, it's so. If I just, uh, just bring back one thing real quick, it's like, I, like, I'm with you at this point, we don't know where this stuff's gonna end. We don't know where the story's going, yeah. right? Um, we don't know if this if this character might come back. Or, but the thing with this novel is that we know how Quoth ends, yeah. right? And like, that is, I think, part of the reason it builds so much bad faith for me just coming back to this. Like, it's possible that some, you know, character might come back and actually show themselves to be whatever, but we know that Quoth, at the very least, did not see them as yeah. like, like both as a child and as an adult saw them as just like, you know, side qualities and the, the women of the story and that's just who they are, right? And that's that's hard. That's hard to read. Yeah. There is some solace in knowing that he just ends up miserable stuck in a bar. <laughs> Literally. That's like honestly, like if book three comes out, like the reason that I will be reading it is because this again, the satisfaction I get from this book is seeing both get Hashtag punished for his hubris <laughs> and yeah, being shitty. Still, I think it's still gonna be epic somehow. Like, yeah, know. like I'm sure it'll pop. Maybe someone, maybe like the story ends like halfway through the book, and then like the rest of it is like in present day, and then he still gets a happy ending or whatever. Oh, I'm, I'm certain that's what's gonna happen. There's a, there's gonna yeah. be like a, a sniper from outside the Waystone Inn who just like shoots both in the head as he's halfway telling God, the third day, and we're never gonna know what happens. <laughs> That would be very that funny. Would be very funny. Um, I, I... Oh, Dana? <laughs> How do we like Dana? Dana? Lucy, what were you going to say? Oh, no, it wasn't about Dana, but it was about the other female character. Oh. That, it's female character with a capital F and capital C, which is um, Ori? Auri? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Auri. Oh, yes. The one cat with a whole different book. Bro. Yeah. The Slow Guard of Silence. Um, yeah. All just her. I actually love Ori. She's one of my favorite characters, to be honest. The Slow Regard of Silent Things doesn't have Quoth in it. I'm just going to say this. I know, other pe- <laughs> I know other people who also really enjoy the spinoff novel with her in it. And, the, you know, and it has been pointed out to me that that is just about her and stuff. I will say in this that it reminded me of... There's... um. That like pop culture detective video on YouTube where he talks about the like trope of the born sexy yesterday. Born sexy character. yesterday. Yeah. Um, but it, it just because initially she struck me as like a manic pixie dream girl type, but the way she talks is extremely childlike. Yeah. Um, I just imagine her as Grimes, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How old is Ari supposed to rip, be? Rip Grimes. She's like twenty. I think it's like twenty something. Yeah, it says she couldn't be older than twenty because because she speaks like in such a childlike way. I always thought she was a child somehow. No, because she's hot as well. She's skinny, a bit too skinny, but like. Yeah, because like he can change her. I like just to be a, a direction director. Th- those are words that make sense. We could we could talk about Ori, and that would lead into talking about like the crockery rookery. If we want to do that, yeah. we could uh, make a quick stop off at Denna chapter before we go there. Let's let's do a quick Denna stop off. That's okay, mm-hmm. and then we mm-hmm. can. I'm pulling over on the highway. Still... We're gonna take a piss break, get some <laughs> coffees, talk about Denna. Um, yeah, should 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 I? I want to read the section where he first sees Denna and describes her, uh, uh, the curve of her, uh, where is it? It's like the curve of her jaw leading into her neck. Do you have a page number? This is also when she's, this is also when she says a penny for your thought. Oh yeah. And I've never heard anyone say a penny for your Just thought. Just a singular, well, I was women. Thought. That's because it's a little thought. That's the King Killer Chronicle, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's she she comes the... in in page 214. <laughs> 
Thank you. 33, yeah. Um. Oh, yes. Oh, shit. I, oh, wait, no. Sorry. This is, <laughs> I opened it page 213 and I have like a, a whole section of the page highlighted. Um, but it's not the dinner part. It's the, it's the, um, it's the paragraph that says, Two facts remain to recommend a cloak. First, very little is as striking as a well-worn cloak, billowing lightly about you in the breeze. And second, the best cloaks have innumerable little pockets that I have an irrational and overpowering attraction towards. So to you. me, that's the best paragraph in this entire book. Yeah, yeah. I was I was <laughs> These thinking of costumes. I read that bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, so the, the, the Dennis section, real quick, I found it. You're, you're 100% right. 2.14 is where the, what I was thinking of. It's just... While my fingers worked, which again, I'm no, he's doing other stuff, but when I read this, like, I lost all context, and I was like, look at this little uh-huh. While my fingers worked, I studied the side of her face, admiring the line of her jaw, the curve of her neck into her shoulder. I wondered why she was traveling alone, and where she was going. In the middle of my musing, she turned to look in my direction and caught me staring at her. This is like some, like, what we do in the shadows, like, side, like, B-plot thing. Like, I studied the side of her face, admiring the line of her jaw, <laughs> the curve of her neck. <laughs> like, this, it, it feels like, um, it's very, like, teen high school musical soap opera kind of, like, try to describe having a crush on someone yeah. bad but like on purpose badly except uh, it feels like pat's trying to do this on purpose goodly <laughs> uh, but it's 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 just so much she calls him a liar i'm smiling she held my eyes liar Ooh. <laughs> she's not your uh wallflower girl that you thought there's like a fucking montage while kind of girlfriend by avril lavigne is playing i don't fucking know yeah <laughs> And they're, like, walking in the moonlight. It's more like a complicated by Avril Lavigne kind of... Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wait, does your copy say Penny for your thought? Yeah. Mine says Penny for your thought. And I picked up an excess there, like... Mine says thoughts. Oh, my God. Mine says thought singular. I'm not sure I can find the page. Dude, quote is definitely thought singular. What's that? (laughs) That's so funny. I guess they just, yeah... This is a this is my edition is from two thousand and eight. Uh, I have the anniversary edition. So maybe they they changed it. They were like, Pat, yeah. no thoughts in this book. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> no thought. Mine is two thousand eight. Yeah, I got the oh. same one as you guys. It's it's very funny though. I did initially read it and I was there like, wow, sexism strikes again. Women only get one. <laughs> <laughs> um. God. Yeah, the the Dennis chapters um I know there's like a moment there's like a the kind of end of his little sort of Denna montage of him just like simply watching her and the act of him watching her seemingly makes her fall in love with him as well. That's how it works. Um we all know this. Um but I know they have some moonlit chats and they share like a little moment. Mm. Um I don't get why she And it's and then that's it. That's it. Yeah. I don't get why she finds him attractive. I guess because he's a pat stand-in, but it's like, <laughs> she, she watches him, like, just sitting on a car and she does that whole, like, oh my god, I can't not fuck him kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've all been there. He's got the flaming red hair. He's a demaroo, right? He's like, oh, I'm a roo, baby. We roo up traps. Right? Like, I don't know, like, he's, he's got the he, know, he knows how to play the cards he's been Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's very... He is 15. 
he knows how to like sexually sit on a cart like like <laughs> like the yarls in skyrim yeah. like, uh, and i mean i guess play. he watched his <laughs> parents um oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The best. i do think it's really funny that they have that scene where that guy whose name might as well be john comes and joins them and he's like i imagine like a 30 year old guy and he instantly starts flirting with 16 year old della denna and um kavoth is like super jealous about this but it's it's all fine because it turns out he's much better at music um yeah yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. I, I don't know if you need to be jealous of the 30-year-old flirting with a teenager. Yeah, like, I definitely read that as, like, the guy is simply just a normal guy who talks to the girl that Kroth has a crush on, like, twice, but because he's <laughs> a teen, he's like, oh, he's stealing my woman. <laughs> and he's also only known her for two days. Like, yeah. He's like, this is the love of my life. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's and it's worth it's worth saying. I mean, like one of the reasons I'm hyper focusing on this Dennis section because I don't find the initial Dennis stuff being like like too bad, like especially compared to what we already yeah. talked about. But like this novel, the ne- I know the last half in the book two, there's just going to be so much psychic energy just poured into Denna and just like understanding Denna and just like these first moments, just sort of seeing Pat's like initial setting this up, knowing in the background about this whole like, oh yeah. <laughs> Women. Oh, there was one. Oh, let me tell you. Ooh. <laughs> I had to write a novel about that one. Ooh. <laughs> I had to write my Denna novel. Right, right. Um, I, I have. I legitimately cannot remember what Pat Rothfuss sounds like. That is not what he sounds like, even close. But like, anyway, I, so like, I it is worth a big holding there, but um. Yeah, anyway, it gets, it gets weird with the dragon later. Yeah. The Dracos. Lucy, later sorry to break it to you, but Dana returns. Um, oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. She's been waiting in the wings. I'm sorry you had to find out. <laughs> I, it was like when they were talking about all of the female characters waiting in the wings, and I was remembering you guys talking about the Dana stuff, and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Let's go. <laughs> um, I might have things to say about Dana. Mainly because I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we to get it. Like this, this was just a. Yet. Oh, yeah. go on. I was just saying we don't really get a lot of Dana content. Just yeah. Yet. Mm. It like it does really. Okay, I, I lied. I have one more thing to say about the Dana chapter. <laughs> She's just a random girl, you know. Yeah. She's so random. <laughs> Well, like, um, it gets pointed out at some point like i think bass says something like she's not even really that special <laughs> yeah so it's just a, it's, just a crush it's, which is also a very funny thing for someone to say is like hearing a story it's like <laughs> man there was this woman when i was a kid it's like this girl she was my age and we just I, I really had a huge crush on her and then like you're like adult prince of the fairies listeners like yeah she doesn't sound that special dude yeah <laughs> like, oh, you, well, you, little, little pm there <laughs> little pm their best but it would suck if like many years later you like went to a porn website <laughs> <laughs> okay but like that kind of does happen in like book two <laughs> Oh fuck! Really? Like not really, but sort of. I just I want to I want to make it clear. I one of the reasons I'm I I I, I was very happy to, and like excited to do this podcast because I look forward to when we do the second book. Hopefully, we do the second God, book really and uh, get to the sex fairy scene because oh. I wanted to talk about the sex fairy with people for like a decade now oh. and like like I just like that's way in the future. That's like fucking long time from now. But like, listen, I. Uh, I'm gonna listening to Patrick Rothfuss' thoughts on 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 sex. Oh, never gets old. Never gets old, baby. 
let's, let's hear some I more. do think it's really funny though, because you know we read out the um the old the classic blog post by Pat. Yeah. Um, but then he literally says the same thing in this book because he talks about the bit where he's like watching other people play music and he can't stand it, and he says, "I couldn't oh, God, stand yeah. being near music and not be a part of it. It was like watching the woman you love bedding down with another man." And uh-huh, it's like, yeah. Pat, can you please for one second compare <laughs> things that are not being cucked <laughs> and then right right after that he says like no it's not quite like that so why did you do that one i wanna i, I, I did want to say about the like book two stuff uh no i don't want to talk about Wendy. I, I do kind of no. want to do book two like at one point like not right after this i'm gonna need like uh, three years to maybe build like up. half a year a year down the line i would love to like return to this podcast uh, and take in some more of Patrick's bullshit. Uh, what were we going to talk about after Dana? Uh, Auri? I forgot. Um, Auri in the Blind Forest. Auri, uh, the Joker. Yes. Oh, it's so, the Joker Asylum. It's Arkham Asylum on the campus, baby. Yeah. It's. I mean, hey, baby. listen, it kind of is the Arcanist Asylum. It's Arcane Asylum. Arcane might as well be Arkham. It's Arkham Asylum, baby. <laughs> All right. It is. Confirmed. It is in- insane that this, like, he's like, okay, here's a here's an asylum. It's on the campus. I'm gonna make it sound like literal bedlam from the 1600s. <laughs> People are gonna be screaming. Um, I mean, I guess it's a magic one. I don't know. Listen, I mean, my uni did have like a mental health services counselling. So if you, th- it's just like real life. <laughs> mm. Um. Did, did, did they put like people in there who wanted to learn? I don't know. Um, advanced linguistics or whatever. I'm trying to find a study subject. Chemistry. <laughs> yeah, that that was what happened to all the performance art students. And you know, they were in the building. They were yelling stuff, but they were filming it and making. They were getting graded on it. So it's it was um, great. Um, so. To lead into this, so yeah, we, we meet Auri. Auri is implied. Also, could, sorry, before, I just want to th- mention how there are like hundreds of babies in the real world who are called Auri, named after this character. Oh, really? Like, people seem to name their children Auri a lot. It's not as, I feel bad, like as, I, not as bad as Khaleesi, I would say that. No. <laughs> it, is an, it, is like, it is like a nice name, yeah. to be fair. Mm. I'm just thinking about that. I'm gonna call anyway, myself she's... Derek, but with spelled <laughs> My favorite character. No, I'm gonna call myself Crazy Martin, which is still my favorite character in this book. <laughs> I'm gonna call my kids Simon and whatever the other guy's name was, Mike. Will Wilston. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> um. Mike. Oh yeah, I, I was gonna say a thing to introduce Ari. Yeah, so she she lives in the sewers. She's like a little bit whoopsie. Um, it's implied that this has happened to her because she tried to study naming. And l- earlier in the book, we had a whole sequence where we go explore the asylum place that's on campus, and we learn that studying the new magic system of naming can break your brain. <laughs> um, where do we start with this? It's the title it's of trunk. the book, right? What? The name of the wind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, did, I, I for a second I was confused. Like, did you forget? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's on the front cover. Um, like, uh, we're led to believe that like naming is gonna be like this big thing. Uh, and. 
we're led to believe that naming is going to be the get out of jail free card for some future part. Yeah. That's what we're led. Okay, to but there is right? this. Like, there is this absolutely poggers moment where Eladin is taking Quoth around the uh, rookery. Yeah. And he's like, and I spoke the name of the stone and I said, break! And the, oh fuck, the name is wrong. And like, he gets the, because they changed the material of, the, like, he's being really dramatic, mm. but then he gets it wrong and he's like, oh shit, 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 give me a second. And then figures it out and like, does do some really dramatic magic where he just like dissolves a wall with his mind and Quoth is there doing Pog Champ and like to be honest, so am I because it was pretty Hello cool. Dean is such and, a like, frustrating character to me because yeah. like, when I first read this book, that was the character I was most excited about. Like such a such an intriguing character, right? Like this guy who mm-hmm. is twenty years younger than all the other teachers, doesn't really teach. But seems to know some like insanely good magic that no one else knows. And he's like still kept around. What's the deal? Why is that? And then there's like this bit where Quoth wants to study under him and he, he's just like this very aloof guy, very hard to get, uh, makes him jump off the roof. Very cool moment. And I, I wish it led to anything. Like I, as I said, I haven't finished book two, but like his, I, I remember him being a lot in that one too. I was like waiting for something to happen with this character and just didn't pay off. I think the the interesting thing, again, the thing that feels like Patrick Rothfuss has a notebook full of Eladin's backstory. Yeah. Because, you know, they talk about, oh, he's like only, he's really young. He used to be the Chancellor of the Uni uh-huh. before he went crazy and was in the asylum, but then he simply stopped being crazy. He decided to stop being crazy and left the asylum. And before Kvothe arrived, he had been the youngest ever person to go to uni. All this, all this stuff. So it's just like all this stuff thrown out about Eladin. Um, I'm like, you know, I am doing eyes emoji in his general direction. Yeah, I would like to see something. I would like to see something, please. (laughs) Eladin Eolian. Okay. Keyboard chopping. Making that what you will. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get that. <laughs> what if- I was just gonna say, I think like the the naming sort of big magic stuff is is gonna be like so ambiguous that I feel like Patrick is trying to sort of set up like the effects of learning it before, just because mm. it's gonna be a lot harder yeah. to like explain how it works when it's happening. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't. Didn't Ben know the name of the wind? I'm already fucking Yeah, uh, Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like Ben wasn't crazy, right? No, no. but he only knew ben the wind. Just, just the wind. Yeah, but he just did the wind. Okay, so he he like okay, yeah, he he's, he's he got a little Jokerified. What? And then was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I want to be the Joker that. If much. you could, if you could uh, learn one name before going bonkers, what name would you learn? Oh, <laughs> uh, good question. I mean, like, I'm sorry about costumes. I would probably, like, learn the name of Thread or some shit like that. I would learn the name of the genes, and I would become Best Genus, the only good character in My Hero Academia. (laughs) That's an insane thing to say. I do like Best Genus, though, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I know. What what about the rest of you? What's your your one name? Uh, I think I would learn the name of being super fucking hot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then that would just take me all the way through life, so... And um, question answered. Can I learn the name <laughs> of my brain? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. 
learn the name of cats so I can talk to them. <laughs> That's, That's good. I don't know. I got. I got. I gotta be. I'll, I'll fall back. Maybe. Maybe I'm too pat pilled at this point. But like, name of the wind sounds pretty cool. It's like it's everywhere. Like I, I assume you could probably fly with it if you're good enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so, that, that, that's how what's his name? Taberlin the Great or whatever. Doesn't he like fly with the wind at some point? Like he jumps down from a tower and is like, <laughs> and then like flies. Okay, but but riddle me this: Would you rather fly or be really fucking hot? <laughs> Listen, I'm sure flying if you can't be hot while you're exactly. doing it. If you, if your if your name is Quoth, you can do both. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both, both. <laughs> Get you a man who okay. can do quotes. <laughs> Get you a man who can do quotes. Uh, this book would be much better if quotes was less heterosexual. <laughs> is there like Bast is obviously like really into coke. But are there any like this far we haven't had anyone who's even close? Like you can't really even imagine shipping quotes. I mean, he's fifteen. Okay, so that's a little because like, there's no characters like, in this book. Yeah, because there's no characters. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna ship two characters, they're gonna be two player characters, and there is only one player character. That's true. That is true. I just like sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I had nothing. I was just looking at my notes and sighing sadly. I do genuinely not think uh, Pat knows about there being other sexual orientations. <laughs> Someone should tell him. <laughs> Please, I'm gonna tweet at Pat. Honestly, it's our fault at this point. Let us help you. Um. Okay, so I'm getting the the vibe I'm getting from this podcast is that, is that we're talking about like anything other than things about this book. Mm. Do we want to start like wrapping up? Do we have last thoughts? Is there things <laughs> yeah. we haven't gotten to? Because let, let me uh, just flip through my. Uh, I'll talk about the like the last scene of the AOE. Oh yeah, the addition, like, oh, the addition. Yeah. Oh yeah. Before we before we get there, I just have one quick thing. I want to I want to uh, our podcast. What is it? What what did we sign on? Pot Pot of the Wind. Both killer. Uh, the Quoth Killer's Law, established in this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. If a fantasy novel has no shippable characters in it, it sucks ass. <laughs> you know, confirmed. That's true. I I think it might be 100%. That's why Fire Emblem Three Houses is so good, because it's 100% about shipping. <laughs> That's all. That's it. <laughs> Not to go on a tangent again, but that's like one of those games where I, I'm like, I played like 150 hours of it. I can't tell you if it's good or not. <laughs> 400 hours? It is. <laughs> I, I need to play another like three hours or so because then I'll get to 420 hours. Nice. nice. <laughs> and then I'll have to stop, you know, sad. No, then you just have Unless to play I played a 690. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, I feel like someone wanted to. Summer, did you want to say something else? Addition. Yeah, I'm just curious how you all thought about the uh, Savian song at the end because I remember that being like one of my favorite scenes the first time I read it. I did like, and the, he was able to Paganini his way out of the string snapping. Um, Pretty good. I will, yeah. I will also say though that there's like a little bit where he says, "Oh yeah, no one uses catgut strings anymore," and I was like, "Why? They rule. <laughs> my violin <laughs> has catgut strings, and they're great." <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter uses cat strings. No, he doesn't. 
with Hannibal. The he, whole uses part, pe- he uses people gut strings. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Summer, I want to know how this read of it was for you. I just embarrassed. Yeah, it was. Hannibal. I still enjoyed it, but I guess I've just like now that I've been reading it in the way of quote just being really annoying, <laughs> and I hate it when he gets a W. Yeah. But, Otherwise, it's still a lot of fun. I did really like it on, on my first read. Um, the second embarrassing thing about me is when I GM'd my first, uh, for the first time ever, I GM'd the Dungeon World game. And, you know, after we did character creation, like, the first thing I could pull out of my mind to set the scene at was, like, at a tavern, at, like, a similar uh, music competition thing isn't isn't really a competition but it's still like you have to impress them enough that you're on their pipes right so uh, uh, mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. i just pulled out this scene <laughs> that's what i ran with <laughs> it's amazing i think it does do a really good job as a scene of building that um pre-performance anxiety because yeah. i felt that yeah. i was like sweating <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah yeah I'm... i think the first time i read this i was like shaking like <laughs> i okay honestly i had the opposite um feeling because like will and sim his two one friend are like talking to him beforehand and like he's like i don't know you haven't heard me play the lute i'm like the best music i'm like fuck all the way off (laughs) i just want to like beat the shit out of him like metaphorically speaking uh parody redacted it's fine he's not a real person i can threaten him (laughs) um just for for that like Whenever he's talking about auditioning for the Aeolian, he's like, I'm going to play the hardest song ever written. I'm going to play Stairway to Heaven. Um, <laughs> and th- they're all like, dude, like, you're so, what the fuck? Why are you so confident? And he's like, mm-hmm. and like, he's so confident that he's the best. And like, his performance, pre performance anxiety doesn't really set in until he's like actually there until it's like 20 minutes before he's gonna go on stage and then like, only then does he start being like oh fuck jesus jesus fuck shit I be fair, that's this. usually how it manifests for me i'm there, like i'll do this thing yeah. i'll do this like pub gig i'll do this whatever with a friend um and i'm fine and then 20 minutes before we're due to go on stage we're at the venue our friends are here that's when my hands start going numb and i'm like oh mm. good <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. But honestly, I like, don't mind. This yeah. is gonna sound weird coming from me, but I don't mind Quoth being really fucking good at music. I I think that my issue with Quoth is that he's so good at literally everything. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, if if I had to pick like one thing, his like an ideal version of this book would be like where he's just good at music and like okay at everything <laughs> else. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. But like, I can I can buy him being good at music. I guess one because. Uh, because of his like backstory with the M- at Amaru, and then there's like this whole bit where he's like on his own and just plays his loot like twelve hours a day for like a month. I think it would make like a really interesting, a more interesting story if he was he just had right? music to get out of situations. Right, because yeah. like, then he tried to do that and then just couldn't figure yeah. it out. Because then he would actually yeah. be a bard. Instead yeah. of being a bard who is also a wizard, who has a class in rogue, who has a class in ranger, who has a class in fighter. I guess he picks up a class in fighter later. Uh, like, what if... Because, again, I said earlier, I love a character who has no resources but their wits and charisma to get out of situations. And, like, what if Kuth actually was that? Yeah. <laughs> 
But what's well, the thing? Definitely. I, I, I want to push back on just one thing. I so there's a weird conversation because it's been sort of taken over by the whole like Mary Sue or whatever stuff of like characters being really good at everything or you know the, these weird side parts of it. My thing is just like I don't mind characters who are really good at a lot of stuff, but like this is not a video game. Attributes that you have aren't just like fun facts about you. Like they fundamentally shape who you are. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, if I have friends of mine who are like truly master composers like they they can play every stringed instrument in the world and they their entire like way of going about in the world is different not that they see the world differently but they spend a lot of time with string instruments and wooden instruments they spend a lot of time with paper and notation and they just look at stuff different right like you if you're gonna have a character who like understands how to blow glass and like make new forms of technology and like have all these sort of creative things here and play all sorts of instruments and be the best poet in the world like this person is gonna have like no time for stuff this guy's gonna just engage with the world differently and if you want to do that in a character i don't mind that I, i really don't you have to pretend you have to treat these things as though they're not just like gifts from god that just like you go about being your regular self and you happen to have like all the masterpieces right that like that shit's boring and that shit's bad that's well, that's remember yeah. Patrick said he doesn't know the first thing about music so he couldn't <laughs> yeah, write any obvious. practice or anything yeah. like that i also to be fair while well, like there is an entire like several chapters of this book where Quoth does not have any time for anything and is mm-hmm. doing uni burnout because he is practicing music and going to the glass place and going to classes and mm-hmm. trying to do everything at once. And like the book does show that that like harms him and yeah, sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it goes as far as I'd want to, but that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, well, I want, but I wanted to say just like oh, like he. Uh, Pat doesn't know anything about music. It's it's sort of uh, quite quite a thing to say that to make you know to to, to post that online or wherever, and then write the par- after having written the paragraph. Music sounds different to the one who plays it. It's the musician's <laughs> curse. We've all been there, baby. I know. We all, all musicians know the curse. I know uh, this. <laughs> I'm not. Like, come on. It like um yeah like it is. It's like I see. It's like it's kind of nice to have this book written and like pat describes oh this is how it feels to be on stage and to be playing a music and it's like you know i'm like i've never like whenever i do stage performances it's always in like a choir or a group um so like i've never been spotlit but like it's nice to see someone describe what they think the feeling of being on stage might be like from having being in the audience and be like, and then like trying to sort of imagine <laughs> like that. That is like it is kind of in. It's kind of nice. Like it's yeah. overly romanticized. It's like kind of bullshit, but it's also kind of nice. I think he's doing. I think he's a good doing a good job with like building tension in that scene. Uh, and like even with the payoff, like even if it ends with uh, you know, there's there's a silence and then everyone broke out clapping. Fine, everyone clapped. I was there. I was one of the people clapping. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, <laughs> been done a million times, but I do think he's doing a good job at like building attention in this one. That that applause does feel earned. Like if I put out of put aside all of my other grievances I have with Crow, like this is a nice moment. This is a cool moment. I I also yeah, like yeah. that the other singer joins in. That mm. and like a, I like yeah. what I like about this chap. This part is when his lute string breaks, and then he flashes back to the the time he spent six months in the forest doing nothing but playing lute. And like that, that comes in, um, and it really like 
in in this moment connects Quoth's loot playing to kind of as his coping mechanism, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta ask a spoiler question. Mm-hmm. Did the loot string snap because um, Ambrose snapped it? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's literally like the next chapter. Okay, great. I was just gonna say that yeah. should um, that should be why it snapped. <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. It. Ambrose only snapped one string though. He had the potential to sabotage other ones, and no, I, I forget how it goes. Some of it, but it's like, yeah, lame prank, dude. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's fairly. He, he realized he was just making him cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. I hate it when I'm about to prank my arch nemesis, and I just give give him the pipes to the ELO. Like, that is, I think, a cool Yolo. storytelling device to have the bully character. Uh, do something that actually just makes the hero look cooler. <laughs> like, I think that's yeah. very that's very good. Like storytelling yeah, device. Different strokes, different folks. Um, so I've I've just noticed a part in my notes because I I like I was folks was talking about music and how much he hits to see people play because he wants to be doing play. Um, and not to be having sex. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Quoth is 15 year old, he doesn't know what sex is, and that makes the book remarkably better. Um, I'm saying this watched- because I have read book two. Um, he knew his parents fucked. Yeah, oh, just fucking. Um, <laughs> anyway, what was it? Oh, yeah, I was trying to. Okay, reading the first part of this book, I don't recall the time of Quoth being with the troop. And being with the Ademaru and like being with his family, I don't remember there being anything in that part of the book where it's like, oh, this kid's amazing at loot playing. Like the thing in that part of the book was like, oh, this kid who's in the loot playing group is really good at brain math magic. <laughs> like the, yeah. the only, his musical ability was never a thing when he was a kid, even though in this part of the book he talks about it connecting him to his family and shit like that only became a thing after his parents died and like when he was in the woods um and like i don't it's very i don't know if that's like intentional on pat's part because it kind of bothered me Mm. well there's the thing that his dad is like a really famous loot player super talented so maybe it makes him like feel like he's bringing his dad back to life a little bit yeah something like that like if it is intentional then it's, like, good to see that he has this, like, co- his connection to Lloyd is his connection to the family, his family. And, like, that's a posthumous thing. Um, and, like, it's it's good in a mood. I don't know. I don't know. I understand it as, like, him having been, because, like, they they didn't say, like, yeah, the Ademaru stuff focused on, like, his brain, uh, science, math stuff, but... You know, they did mention how he also, like, knew all the plays or whatever, like, all the things that were, like, normal in the performing troupe. So, I guess, like, my understanding is that this is, like, a, the, like, the base level of, uh, showmanship that, and I guess, and, like, loot playing and knowing all the songs that the Ademaru just, like, have through being part of the troupe is just, like, something that, like, most of them can do and then he practiced it uh, more when they left into the Mm. woods but it it, i don't know i like my charitable read on this i guess is that um you know that like base level of of playing is just amazing in the ears of everyone else who is not like born at mru performer or whatever i don't know Mm. Mm. yeah i'm fine with this one (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I think yeah, the Aeolian chapter is pretty nice. I like the Aeol. I like the the the, the vibes also in the Aeolian. Yeah, I guess that's uh it's a good fantasy tavern or a good fantasy like theater stage whatever. Yet again, Pat comes through with like just really nice sort of vague vibes. Yeah, yeah, it's he's yeah. good. His vibe writing is good when it's like something that that is like a cool vibe <laughs> it just fails when it he like tries to make the the fantasy academia uh dark academia high uh university stuff like because he he tries to make the school like really alluring or whatever but i just don't want to be in school no especially not a school where they just whip you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like all the like, like fred bro dorm lifestyle whatever it's just just not it doesn't come across as as that fun. I, I um I also just want to say before before we sort of wrap up, it's just like whenever I recognize something in Name of the Wind, mm-hmm. right, from somewhere else, and that's kind of the standard way I'm, I read it, um, is recognition. I just stop and think what do you myself. Mean? It's the most original <laughs> book ever. It's true. Sorry, keep it's going. True. I I stop and think to myself, would I rather be reading the thing it's reminding me of? And I don't think there's been a time yet where it hasn't been like, yes, right? And that's like, that's what's making me depressed about reading this book, is that like, I just keep reading it and there's cool hype moments. But like, my, like, I can, I, like I'd rather be watching, or I'd rather be um, watching the, uh, you know, the apprenticeship arc in My Hero Academia than you know, uh-huh. listening to more about his like, yeah. you know, working under professors. Like, it, like it, it, it's, it's not that it's bad all the time. It just, I always it's feel a like... a good I, fucking arc, though. Could be doing something else. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a very good point. Anyway, sorry, it, it, it's a side thing, but it's like, it's larger for the novel thus far. It's, it's just, when it reminds me of other things, it's never to its benefit, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can see yeah. that, because, like, that's referential stuff where that, uh, it reminds me of other stuff thing can be done, can be done, like, well. Mm-hmm. Like, and honestly, like, most yeah. sports anime is like that, that it's... <laughs> very formulaic but it's a good formula and you you know you like it <laughs> or you like to be like reminded of the formula or have a new iteration with the formula with of the formula with like new fun characters but like i don't know i guess if this book had characters i'd be more forgiving of the formulaic stuff like if it if it were like more of a oh this is a variation on the formula but we have cool fun new characters but it just doesn't have that <laughs> No, but you see, of course, it doesn't have characters. It's it's, it's both telling the story, so it's a unreliable narrative, folks' narrative. You see that <laughs> it, that's the justification, you know. So that that means Pat doesn't have to write good characters. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to. God. I'll have to remember this, like, for the next time I'm, you know, telling a story about my mates to make sure that, like, my mates come across as fully fleshed out three dimensional characters. Um, <laughs> Also, I just noticed that I wrote down in my notes that um, Will calls when they go to the Aeolian. Will calls Sim a girl um, because Sim orders a cinnamon mead. Yeah, um, oh, he cool. also calls both a girl for ordering a cider. <laughs> I mean, that is that is very which frat is something bro, I think but... you get slapped for in the southwest of England. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, southwest. Of if you want to drink WKD, fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't it's not girly. Uh, all right. One of my great shames is I, when I was a teenager, I watched all of Scrubs. 
And that really reminded me of the, like, one of the characters always orders an apple teeny, and that's, like, his big thing. It's the only drink he really drinks. And everyone's like, ooh, girly girl. Uh, and I just had that a flashback to, like, a shitty sitcom. <laughs> like, oh, you want to order a cinnamon drink? Oh, you fucking I, I think this take, <laughs> the take that Scrubs is bad is going to be very controversial with our listeners. <laughs> it's fine. I have no opinion. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. It's, no, I know a Scrubs lot of bad, people, if you like, all didn't know. my <laughs> age or older, who, like, watched Scrubs when it aired and, like, still hold it very dear oh i have fond memories of it i'm not saying that i'm saying i rewatched like three episodes all right uh, enough I scrubs talk I have closing remarks right, scrubs yeah sorry <laughs> it's bad and i like it <laughs> you know what yep i i did enjoy these chapters even though i also i hated them but i enjoyed them <laughs> these chapters are providing me with some content so that's what i'll say for them <laughs> The thing is, it, anytime I read a thing I don't like, I simply forget about it. Yeah, that's the thing. And you know what? It's nice to read books. The, it, see, that that's my um, heart it's of stone, you know, mm. that I drop into. I just, I, I erase the, the bad parts from my mind and it's a good book to me. Yeah. <laughs> With enough brain training, you two can do this. Yourself afterwards. I just wish I, uh, <laughs> I just wish I enjoyed it as much as I did when I first read it, where I just, mm. when I, like, still had hopes that it's gonna lead to anywhere, I guess. Well, we still don't know, because it's, you know... Book 3, baby, 2021. Exactly. It's coming out <laughs> alongside with The Winds of Winter. They're, they're doing a joint release. <laughs> you know, if we if we do this podcast and we read book 2... I seem to want to. Um, I think we should just write book 3. We should just write book 3, yeah. What an amazing idea. It's ours now. It's just where Kvothe suddenly decides that he is really in love with Bast. Um, and then... That's we'll the- make shippable characters! God, we could do like a very high-level improv thing where we just try to oh. like, pretend to talk about the book three. Cut this out if this is a good idea and we want to keep it to a surprise. <laughs> book three, uh, we transition. It starts with him in the Waystone. And then there's an interlude of like an older quote <laughs> telling the Waystone story. Oh my God. <laughs> and there I was with the with the Prince of Fairies and the Chronicler, and he was dabbing his nib like he used to. That's how he like does a loophole to get three more books, so he can like close all yeah. of these loose ends. Yeah. No, uh... <laughs> um uh right what do we do at the end of podcasts um plugs plug and chug plug and chug <laughs> uh, uh lucy you yeah. said uh at the same time as i did go okay um as ever janosh and i both co-host who watches the watch where we are currently watching the watch a police procedural based on the terry pratchett books um uh it's not gonna be funny. currently anymore once this episode comes out Oh, I guess, yeah. So we're I'll release them weekly. The it's probably going to be like a month. It, this is probably mid-March right now. Happy okay. St. Patrick's Day, listeners. Happy Ides of March. <laughs> yeah, um, so we'll be in the books by then, but um, that's good too. The books are really good. <laughs> the books are better. Yeah. If you want to read a good book, uh, that that's a good place to start. Yeah, no, what's another good place to start? Oh, another good place to start would be reading A Storm of Swords by George R. R. Martin, which is the <laughs> book that we currently, we're currently going to be reading up until September for uh, my other podcast, The Song of Babies and Puppies. Another great book you could read is Give Us One 
Patreon dollar for Patreon comes to show watches the watch where we are writing uh, the greatest book, uh, Immortal Incantations Heart Spell. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you mean book three of King of the Chronicles? <laughs> Chronicle. <laughs> one. That's... It's the Immortal Incantation. Just one. That's gonna be the twist <laughs> at the end of the book that's been quoted all along. Yeah. <laughs> we bring in a secret fourth brother for the vampires slash witch characters and it's both. Uh-huh. You can also <laughs> listen to my once in a month David Lynch retrospective podcast Lynchpin where by the time this comes out we're gonna be uh around Firewalk with me probably. Nice. nice. Uh summer. Uh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Stellar Ghost. Uh now that I've realized how far this is in the future, I don't know what I'll be up to, but uh you can check out our the podcast I do with my partner, uh my pod cabbages about Avatar the Last Airbender. Um we're actually workshopping some ways to to continue with that. Yeah. Some fun things nice. that might be <laughs> happening now if it's March or April. So that's all I've got to plug. Poggers. Uh, Daniel, do you have a thing you want to shout out? Yeah, uh, Olga Tokarczuk is like the best novelist of Eastern Europe, uh, and I've been reading all of her books, and this year she has her like 900-page magnum opus coming out called The Books of Jacob from Fitzcarraldo Press. I just want everyone to read more Olga. She's like... So How good. do you spell that's, that's my Tokarczuk? <laughs> or whatever you said that I didn't oh, quite hear. Questions. I think it's T-O-K-A-R-C-Z-U-K. She's Polish, so I think that's... Oh, where they, where yeah. they use the Latin alphabet, but like it's Cyrillic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I recommend starting with Drive Your bo- or drive your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Call to action. Let's go, baby. Um, <laughs> I've been Sarah. You can find me um, on... I don't think I shouted out my other podcasts last episode, so I'm going to shout out Never Believe It, which is a corporate hellscape of a Naruto D-Watch podcast. Um, we watched the movie Holes... Um, as part of the narrative canon last week. Um, <laughs> so that's the kind of thing we get up to there. I also have a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast called Pod of Greed, in which we watch the best go-to-school-and-learn-magic kind of uh, situation that one could possibly watch, which is Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. God. Oh, wait. Off off, off that plug, uh, if you want to watch an old episode of Pod, Pod of the Cards, I don't, or Pod of Greed of the Cards, or what, what's Pod of Greed? It's, the, the episode um, you were on is called Marks of the Cards. Is, yeah, you could listen to Marks of the Cards where you can get a uh, introductory lecture on uh, how to use Marxist interpretation to understand you. <laughs> it slaps. <laughs> it's good. We had fun. Um, all right, folks. Uh, I fuck, how did we end exit this podcast last time? <laughs> we, 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 the first episode, we read some questionable uh, Pat content. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Fuck, Janos, you said something the second episode. Yeah, I said memento quote Mori. <laughs> Memento Kvothamori? <laughs> that doesn't hit the same way as it did last week. I know. <laughs> we could come up with something new. Well, to all of our listeners, just remember. If you, oh, I can't even fucking say it. <laughs> just remember. <laughs> if you're going to sexually assault no! someone... <laughs> Just one thing, we are going to be recording our uh, wrap-up episode for the whole series, for the whole book, uh, next week. So I just wanted to pop in here and say that if you would like to send us any questions 
or you know ask us about discuss give us sort of discussion prompts if you want us to talk about things that either we haven't got to or you're not sure if we're gonna get to in the next few episodes kind of a tricky one that but if you want to if you want to interact with us basically and have us interact back um if you post a question on twitter and just tag it with hashtag both killer chronicles the way it's spelled in the episode art um or at me sarah on twitter which is at sarah mccostumes again there'll be a link in the show notes um so yeah we can't wait to get back to you we might not get to everything but we'll see um yeah happy happy interactions (laughs) 